Once again, I want to thank uh, Pastor David Alexander for allowing me this time these four weeks. When we announced uh, several months ago that I'd be uh, going on the district, uh, serving the North District as a superintendent, uh, that he invited me to share these four weeks, uh, Confessions of a Pastor, all the services. I think it's really cool that we're actually able to do three services at the same time right now. Uh, Two, uh, one at the Well Cafe, one the Well, one here, uh, allowing this. So thank you, David, for that. Ron and I have talked a, a number, uh, quite a bit about what we're going to miss the most as we kind of move on to a new different task, a different task in, in the life of the church. Uh, certainly friendships, relationships, that's number one. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but we really, it's the worship. It's the worship. It's, it's like our choir and orchestra leading us today. It's all of our services who lead worship. Not just because they do a, an amazing job, which you know they do. Just the competence and quality and music collection. Uh, Scott knows I love the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir's music, so we heard that again today. But I, I know the people up there. I know Scott. I know, our, I know their hearts, their love for God, their love for you. They prepare and they want you to know that too. So they come and bring that with what they can give to you. And so we're going to miss that. That's irreplaceable. We could go somewhere where they have a great choir as well, but we'll be the same can replace the people that we know, their hearts, their life, their stories, their faith. And so celebrate that week by week as they uh, come and, and give you the good news and the, the gifts that God's given them. We talked about trust, uh, trusting God in life, family, the church as a pastor is the most paramount thing to do to experience peace and God's blessing in your life. We have to trust God. We talked about grace, the pool from which we get grace from God, the pool of his blood. And the same place we go to give grace to each other. That's how God works in the life of the church and why churches work. Because we're able to do that. Talked about compassion. The power of the life of Jesus Christ was the compassion he had for others. He saw people, sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion toward them. And that moved into where they were. That's what he did and why he did what he did. All the way to the cross and the resurrection. Today we talk about joy. Joy really the core of being a pastor but also the Christian life. I'll read one verse of scripture. Most of you will know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is that central place we go that calls us, that leads us, that brings us together, that leads ministry and being a pastor. For God so loved the world. You know, that's a huge, enormous, amazing concept made so real the person of Jesus Christ. That's really it. And that's where the joy is lived, comes from, we are called to, and moves us through life. Whether you're living as a Christian, marriage, family, serving the church, the world we live in, or being a pastor, which is really what this series is about, Confessions of a Pastor. A lot of things happen, certainly in ministry. Uh, I've done probably more than a thousand weddings. I haven't count, kept count, but probably something like that. Every category of wedding. Seen many brides take a dive. Uh, people often laugh and think it's the grooms who pass out. Never seen a groom pass out. Now, I did have the groom who left a, a bunch of uh, uneaten shrimp on my desk, along with two or three cans of beer. Uh, nobody here, I'm probably, nobody here did that. But it's the brides who've taken a dive. They, uh, they don't eat sometime. They wear a dress too tight. They're hot. They've been running around all morning, getting their nails done, their hair done. By the time they get up here, there you go. Uh, and that's, not that, that's not that uncommon. Uh, had a funeral where uh, someone played Amazing Grace on a harmonica. 
I didn't know that was possible, but it is, and it's been done. The man who came up put a, a cassette player on the pulpit, and it was Willie Nelson singing Blue Eyes, Crying in the Rain, the favorite song of the deceased. And so we stood back and listened to Blue Eyes from Willie Nelson on a very small, inexpensive uh, uh, cassette tape recorder. Uh, I had a time we were preparing for what's called a Lord's Acre. And that Lord's Acre in that church, uh, it's, a, it's a way really of having a festival. They donate quilts and, and Afghans and canned food, and they sell that for a cause. And, and it raises a lot of money for a lot of rural churches especially. So we were doing that. Uh, and in that particular church, they wanted me to come and help to, someone's, to, to a house and help make baby dolls they were going to sell. It was a way to communicate, celebrate. The pastor would come by and be there with them. And as he's there with them, maybe other people will come. You know, we're, we're really publicized. He said, okay, I'm not going to be much help with that, but uh, they invited me to come by, and so I went. Preparing for the event, I was reading the newsletter. And that newsletter was publicizing this time. And here's what it said in the newsletter. Come to so-and-so's house and help make babies with Pastor Mike. Now, when I read that, I lost my breath. I gasped. And I went to the two ladies responsible who were down the hall, and I said, has this newsletter gone out? And they said, yes, it has. And I said, would you read this, please? I asked Rhonda if I could tell that story, and she said no. My wife, Rhonda, there in the front row, she has boundaries. Uh, she has lines she won't cross and things she won't say. And she often gives me advice on that, sometime before, during, and occasionally, or often after. Mike, Mike, Mike. So, but that really happened. The Sunday morning here at 8.15, I was feeling kind of bad, feeling worse and worse and worse during the sermon. Uh, finally, toward the end, I had to leave early, uh, pass whatever else was going to happen off the person sitting up here, uh, went into the sacristy, and there the stomach virus took full effect. Uh, people have ever since have told me, you had your microphone on, we could all hear it, and I promise you, I turned it off. I was just that sick and that loud. Those stories happened. The full communion tray that I dumped upside down on the floor, offering plate upside down on the floor, and my all-time favorite story, and I'm going to tell it. We had a scripture reader who came up to read scripture. She is, she is here. <laughs> act like, act, don't act like that you know you're here. Came up to read scripture, and it was, we were doing a series on the commandments called Raiders of the Lost Commandments. And this is one on the Sabbath says something like this, and she began to read. She said that uh, you shall do no work, neither shall your sons, your daughters, your male servants, our female servants, or your ox. And you're supposed to say, are your donkey, but she said, are your monkey. <laughs> now, as that came out, she went like this across the pulpit, just like that. <laughs> now, I'm over here sitting, trying to control myself, and I absolutely become almost hysterical. I'm laughing so much. And I cannot stop. I cannot stop. Because here's where Ramsdale's mind is going. As I heard myself being told in scripture reading, my monkey can't work anymore. Uh, that, not that my monkey was working, but... Uh, 
Here's Moses bringing people across the Red Sea, the Sinai Desert, ten plagues. They come to Mount Sinai. They, he climbs a mountain. There is God. He does all that work to hear. Your monkey can't work anymore. <laughs> that was a lot of work for that commandment. I mean, you'd think there'd be uh, some other ones that might be more applicable for the life of the church. So my mind went there, and so that's why I kept laughing. I just, you know, I could see that. You know, a lot of things that happen in church is part of being a family, a church family, gathered together, the people of God. Much like your family, your household, your table, it's all the same. But the center, though, is still the same, too. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So we meet the good news of the church that marks us. And one of the things that's the greatest joy of a pastor, we interact with people in every situation anybody can have. There's nothing left off the table. We experience it all. I've had many people tell me, come in and say, what I'm going to tell you now is going to, is going to shock your socks off. And I'm thinking, no, it won't. <laughs> ain't nothing I ain't heard, ain't seen, somebody hadn't done. You know, because we're humans, so a bit part of everything. It's, it's, it's how we are and how we're wired. But the good news is, no matter what, we always have good news to share in every circumstance. You know, everlasting life is God's promise in Christ. Salvation of the soul is God's gift. God's grace in the most difficult of times is available. God's direction for us in his spirit is readily offered by God. And so you always have good news in the most difficult situations. Certainly good news is simply living one's life in the best way to live one's life, which is being a follower of Jesus Christ. You can't mess up with that one. And so that's a really big part of being a pastor. So it's always a central thing that we're about. No matter where we are, what we're doing, who we connect with, what our ministry is, wedding or a funeral, baptizing a baby, or visiting with someone going through divorce. It's still the same type of joy. And we get to rejoice, as the Bible says in Romans. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. As a pastor, we all have that, and what a privilege it is to be able to rejoice. You know, that, that, to have a church family rejoice with Rhonda and I when we had our first grandchild. When Kenzie was born 19 years ago, we were able to say, look what we have. We have a grandchild. She's here, by the way. Stand up. Stand up. Make her stand up. There she is. She's 19 there. Many of you in this service were here when we announced we have Mackenzie Blair, and there she is. So we have some more here. We've had eight more since then, and you rejoice with each one. Since we've been here, we've lost our family. My wife Rhonda has lost both my parents. She's lost her grandmother and her father, and you were there for that as well. You mourn with us. You grieve with us in that season. And don't underestimate, underestimate what it is to have other people who believe that God loves the world for God to, to, to mourn with you in the loss of your family and also to celebrate with you in the gain of the grandkids that we've got uh, since we've been in this church. And all, that, all that's happened in the 21 years I've been serving here. We celebrate that as well. Now, I want to kind of give you some little updates about how the ministry here began 21 years ago. Uh, I came uh, to do ministry, to work, to serve, and to make a difference. Uh, and it was really a remarkable season in this community, in this church. Uh, we had, traditionally, we had people join the church by giving an invitation. They would come to the altar. Uh, we, I would meet them, and we'd introduce them, and everybody would applaud, and we'd welcome them to the life of the church. 
I thought, well, let's, let's try something different. I, I sometimes say, let's try something different. Those have been here a long time. Yeah, not sometimes, a lot of times, but this was something different. We'll have them, we'll do a great invitation. We called it a great joining that first day. And so I prepared that Sunday, and I had a little clipboard with a little pen, and I had it uh, on the altar. We actually met in the chapel, now chapel, then it was the only sanctuary. And so I, I, I said, at the end of the service, you're all dismissed. If you'd like to join the church, just remain where you are. And pe some people left, but 126 people stayed to join the church. And I'm thinking, this clipboard's not going to be big enough. <laughs> you know. uh, and we had to deal um, automatically with how we interact with that many people at one time. Two weeks later, three weeks later, I thought, we need to do it again. Maybe some people weren't here. Had 90 joined that time. So we had over 200 people join the church in just a few weeks. So you can see the church changed dramatically. And I was a solo pastor at the time. In the sense, I was the only ordained uh, pastor in the church. We had a small staff then, very small staff. Uh, and Sharon was here. Uh, pastor Sharon was here at the time. And she worked with the youth part-time. Uh, we had uh, uh, Teresa here working with a very small New Beginnings program, job training program. We had other staff running around trying to make things work. Uh, we had uh, Jackie Gauze who was here. Many know Jackie. Uh, Jackie helped with confirmation, some of the education programs, and we just kind of tried to make this thing work uh, as a church. And Popco was here, those that know Ann Popco. And uh, in that season, I remember walking, taking a walk. We lived right here in the Parsonage just over probably about a half a block from here. It's still there. It's an office building now next to the uh, Twigs, uh, the, the uh, a flower, flower store. Walking down the street thinking, do I really want to do this? Because this is hard. I mean, it's absolutely, unbelievably overwhelming. Not only do you have people join the church, you have ministry to do with those people, this community. Too small a building, not enough staff, not enough money, uh, not enough of you. And, you know, you're going through this process thinking, man, is this going to kill me or not? You know, you're thinking, maybe it will. So I thought, did I do the right thing? But I realized, no, God called you here, Mike, so you're going to make this work. Uh, I had had years before uh, a, a serious bout was called ulcerative colitis, for those who know what that is. Been hospitalized for it for about 10 days. Been in remission for a long time at that season. And by the first... The, the end of it, but by the end of that first year that I was here, I had a relapse. Uh, Rhonda knows that. No one else does as far as I know. That relapse happened. There was many days in the afternoon I would go behind my desk and lay on the floor with, with pain that I was experiencing. Uh, went to the, hospital, the doctor again, had some things done and some work done on that. And, and uh, I've been in remission ever since. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Now, that's also part, and I know it's because it's the overwhelming nature of being in this church. It is okay. God's grace was sufficient. Is, was. I celebrate every day that God allows me to do what I do, knowing that I wasn't, I wasn't close to being shut down by an illness that was very difficult to deal with. A lot of pain and other things that go along with that as well. Part of, part of our journey, part of our experiences as people of God is we celebrate life. We have great Sundays, amazing moments. We have Easter with thousands. Uh, we have uh, uh, some Sundays like the day after Easter where you don't have thousands, the Sunday after. Uh, pastors call that uh, God's humble lesson for us. And I want you to know they didn't come for you. If they would, they'd come the next week too, and they didn't. They didn't come for that. 
We had a meeting in that season at that parsonage. Uh, some of those leaders are here today who were at that meeting. And we had that meeting, and uh, I picked just influencers and some of the leaders, about 30 of us, and we dreamed what was going, God was going to do in the life of this church. Uh, and we had, we said, let's set the biggest vision we can, the biggest possibility that we can. And our goal set then was that one day we'd have a thousand people coming to worship. A thousand. Our average attendance is 2,500. We had almost 7,000 on Easter this year. So we, were, we missed the target by a lot. We dreamed that one day we'd have 3,000 members. We have 7,000 members today. We dreamed that we were going to have a mission on every continent. We're going to give $1,000 to each continent, some mission there, and we picked those in the years to follow, and we achieved that. There's no mission on Antarctica, by the way. There's not much you can do there unless you like to take care of penguins. So we had them on the other continents. Uh, since then, we've given millions of dollars to mission in every category you can name. Trips, money, orphans, blessings, miraculously done. We have those goals to set in place. We see what God has done in the church far beyond what we might imagine. It wasn't about faith. It was about survival and God's faithfulness. It's often not about our faith. It's about God's faithfulness and our survival. That's how we work with God. And I've learned that through the years. Hence the first week of this series where I said God's always doing something, though I don't always know what it was or what it is or what it's going to be. I've learned to trust him in that, how we work. When I began church as a pastor 38 years ago, I knew a few things I was supposed to do. I knew, well, you're supposed to preach. I've got that one figured out. You've got to preach on Sunday. That's one thing. Okay, good. I, I know one thing because I didn't know what I should do, really. Most pastors don't know what they're supposed to do, really. You don't really learn that in college. I know you don't learn it in seminary, Tina. They won't tell you there. Tina's in seminary. You don't learn it there. You learn it with the people you're you're, 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 you're partnering with. You teach me what I need to do. I hope to lead you in what you should do. And together we are the church. I knew I was going to preach and probably visit the sick, which of course I did. I'd do a funeral now and again, a wedding now and again. I knew that. I had no idea about lighting pilot lights to make sure there was heat uh, in the wintertime. But in small churches, someone has to do that. I'm the first one there. It's called, I better go light the pilot light. than that many times. Uh, fix, fixing leaks in St. Ruth's. Never been in a church that didn't have a leak somewhere in it. The churches have leaks. I don't know why God says you're going to get water in your building somewhere, but they all leak somewhere. Just want to limit it, manage it somehow. Those are part of my journey as well. I've replaced many a toilet in smaller churches. Why? Because if I did that, we saved some money we'd have a little bit of money to be able to buy some Sunday school supplies or be able to help cover our electricity bill or do some kind of mission. Done that many times in the church. I, I still am obsessed with open, unlocking doors. When I come on Saturday night, Saturday night, if I'm the first person here, I unlock all the doors because I want people to be able to get in. And in small churches, I had to do that. I always had to arrive first. They had to be unlocked. I don't want people to get here and can't get in, so I'm very obsessive about unlocking doors. I want people to be greeted when they come in. And I sometimes come in and orchestrate that. I want to go greet at that door. You're not, you didn't say hi to those people. I, mean, I do that to some of our ushers and greeters here. And if you've had that experience, I'm sorry. <laughs> when I arrived here, I mowed the grass right out here because the grass was a foot high. 
trying to save money and not mow it. And I thought, people can't come to come church on Sunday and think we don't care about our church. I'm not preaching with that grass out there that's high. So I mowed it. The last time I had to mow because people saw me doing it, and they began mowing it, and then we were able to raise money to pay for it. And now we thank, for the, we thank folks in our church right now who do that for us today as a, as a, as a, as a, as a great gift to the church. Thank you for doing that. Uh, those are all things we happen. And I remember a building committee meeting. We've had a lot of building committee meetings through the years. We had three back-to-back building programs, three back-to-back capital funding campaigns over a 10-year period. That's a miracle, by the way. You can't do that. It's against all the rules. Building a committee, I mean, fundraisers will say it's impossible. We did it. Three years, three, 10 years in a row, we did that. Remember the meeting we were discussing this first sanctuary build here, and we're talking about the trusses. You see the trusses up there? Uh, they're kind of hanging down from the ceiling. They're the design, the design woodwork you can see uh, up there in front of it. Now, those trusses aren't doing anything. They're there for decorative purposes, if you didn't know that. Uh, the building is held up by steel beams up there, so don't worry about it falling down. This is a 100-year building, we are told. And there had been a conversation between two groups for a period of weeks about the trusses. And here's how the groups were. The men said, we don't need those and we can save some money. The women said, we need those. We're going to have those trusses. We finally came to the decision that we're going to have the trusses. (laughs) And the men finally said, why do we keep having an opinion about that? Let's just vote and get those trusses up there. And there they are. So if you like the trusses, thank you, Jesus, and hope you do. Thank the, the women on the committee who were for those trusses. That's the church. That's how we gather together. And the good news for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. The Bible says about Jesus in the book of Hebrews, he is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of God's nature. To see in Christ compassion, love, sacrifice, teaching. To see in that So that's what God looks like. That's the glory of God. That's the glory of God that enters a funeral service, enters a family that's struggling, enters someone who's dealing with a job loss, or is depression, or being lost, or needs to know that God will save them. What great good news. And I've been asked, how can we, as a church family, support our pastors? And and I'm in a place right now that I can tell you, maybe, maybe more clearly than I have been able to tell you in the past. And so I want to say a few things that I think you can do to support Pastor David, uh, senior pastor of First Methodist Church, uh, who's chosen to lead you, asked by the bishop to do so, and he said yes. David, who could have left many times to go to churches of his own many years ago, uh, when he had no idea if I was ever going to leave, if he was ever going to be a senior pastor here, he didn't know that until very recently. But he stayed. And I would say, David, why are you staying here? You could go to this church, that church, do anything really, uh, because there are many places he could have gone that really wanted him. Uh, and he said, I love Mansfield. I love this church. We love being here. This is where we want to serve God. And that says a lot to me. And maybe the number one reason why he's a senior pastor here today. The commitment through the times he had no idea. And then it became what it is. Pastor Johnny who leads the two of our services now. Uh, Pastor Johnny and David both really have grown up in ministry here. David was a brand new local pastor when he came, young, working with youth at that time. Johnny came to youth as well. 
and, and since has become a local pastor. Process in the Methodist Church, you become an elder as time goes on through seminary and residency, and they're still, and David is long since an elder. The rest of our staff is in process. And Johnny's in process in seminary now. But he grew up here, he's growing up here. This is where his ministry is being formed and shaped by you. Your expectation, your gifts to him. Pastor Tina as well. She's grown up in this church. Her ministry's grown up here. Her service of our kids, and, and, and now beyond that, and in a broader way, uh, going to seminary now. She, this is, this, is, this is her church. You, you belong to her. She belongs to you. In a unique way that few churches have pastors in that kind of relationship. Most churches go find, most churches go find somebody and bring them in and hope it works. These are, your, these are your pastors. I mean, they are yours. They belong to this church in a very unique way. Uh, the, the same for Pastor Lauren, who's going to be uh, ordained, or, or uh, going to begin the process of becoming a local pastor, be appointed here this summer, and begin her long journey through seminary, her long journey beyond that. She's doing that. Uh, they belong to you, Pastor Caesar, Pastor Sharon, who began 22 years ago here with us, and as time went on, decided I'm called to be a pastor, and she made that decision, and now I've been a pastor for you, leading discipleship programs now for a long time. She belongs to you. You belong to her. You didn't go find somebody. God just planted them here, and we grew up together into the role that we each have now, the role that we're about, the role each one of you has, the role they have. This is how God's, God's designed this church in surprising ways, unexpected ways, ways I did not anticipate. Because he planted these people in his church, and that's where they've grown. Pastor Caesar, we love Pastor Caesar, leading now health care, chaplaincy, health care, an entire health system, and serving in CR. Uh, Pastor Jim Connor, who's actually Dr. Jim Connor, who'll be coming July the 1st. Uh, Jim has, I know Jim well. Uh, Jim has served Genesis as a senior pastor for 12 years, a large church. Before that, he was an associate pastor at First Methodist Church, Fort Worth. He brings all that to the table. He's led the Board of Ordinary Ministry for a number of years. He served the, the local church and general conference as a delegate. He's a big shot in the Methodist Church, by the way, if you didn't know that. Uh, and he's going to be your executive pastor. You know, and we shocking, surprise. We had no idea that God might put Jim together with our church. Because Dave and I are both on the board. We work with uh, Jim on that board. Uh, and now he's coming to be here with us. Take care of Jim. Uh, he lost his wife a year ago after a 20-year battle with brain cancer. He's got two kids who've now grown and left home. He's kind of on his own. And he's going to be planted right here among you. Take care of Jim and Tina and David. Take care of Sharon and Caesar and Johnny. Take care of Lauren. Take care of all your staff. Those who work with our children, those who work with our youth, those who work with mission and outreach, We've got such a amazing people here. I can't tell you, I, I don't have time to say uh, what great people you have here working with you, partnering with you, and the role that they're called to do as leaders, and you serve with them, and our leaders are in the same category. The leaders here have been, are just absolutely amazing. I know a lot about churches, I do lots of church coaching, I do lots of church leading, pastors uh, coaching, uh, consulting. And I know what we have here. This is one amazing church. God's really worked in our, this church in amazing ways. Now, what can you do? How can you help them? Uh, how can you bless them? What can I give my pastors? Well, Pastor David and Pastor Johnny, along with our worship teams, along with uh, our uh, multimedia teams, uh, have worked for a long time 
for the next message series that begins this coming weekend. They worked hard on it. They prayed about it. They're preparing the sermons. They're putting, uh, the, the, I can't tell you the work that goes into all of it, but it's, it's an enormous amount of effort and prayer. And they're preparing to, to preach to you, not just to preach a sermon, to preach to you because they know you. And they want to share for God's love of the world. Maybe different verbs, verb terminology, maybe different illustrations. The sermon series is called God at the Movies. They're doing like, kind of like Jesus did. He told stories uh, about the world he lived in and the sheep and the, and the shepherd and the fields and the vines and use what was around them to illustrate the kingdom of God. Do the same thing today. They're going to do that for you in the next four weeks. Number one, most important thing you could do to support your pastor is come to church. I can't tell you what a big deal that is for us. Speaking for me, when you come to church and you hear me preach, that's the best gift you can give me because I've thought about this sermon for you. And when you're there, we build a relationship that's unique. I may not even know your name sometime, but I know you because I preach to you. I share the good news for God's love of the world to you. That is a hugely significant thing for every preacher. And so that's number one. You can do that. Secondly, you can give. Generosity is a huge part of how God designed the church. Your generous gifts are why the church is what it is today, transforming the world our own community, and lives every day. Your gifts make that happen. Now, the Bible says to do so, says to give as we have received, so that's a command that he gives us, but your generosity is hugely important. There's nothing more disastrous, devastating, or damaging to a church than not having the gifts come in that we need to achieve our goals. And so we have those things, miracles explode from that planting of those seeds, financial seeds, your gifts. Uh, so give. We have United Mission Week coming up. We have 245 kids signed up. That's pretty phenomenal itself, the large number we've had. They'll go to 20 or so work sites all around us, transforming our area. Been doing that for several years now. Uh, we need eight more volunteers, I understand. Uh, how many volunteers we need, I don't know. It's probably 50 or 60 or 80 or 100, I don't know, from feeding them and preparing for them, junior high and senior high, and going on work teams. I've done it many times. My wife, Rhonda, she signed up for this one, and we'll actually be in the new task, but she's going to do a mission trip here at this church with our second oldest granddaughter, Kendall, who's going to be here. She'll lead that team as she has. How many mission trips have you been on? We don't know. 17, 18? I don't know, maybe more than that. And so we, we, and we need eight more volunteers. Anybody can do it, and it makes a difference. It's one of those things where, why did I volunteer? Why did I volunteer? Am I out of my mind? Am I out of my mind? When is it going to happen next? I want to do it again. It's one of those things you're always glad you did, though you wonder why you volunteered when you're doing it. That's the best thing in life, by the way, is that. Often the things that we really are, we think are going to be wonderful, we say, that wasn't any big deal at all. Mission trips are a big deal. Volunteer. Vacation Bible Camp. These are two things coming up. Vacation Bible Camp, uh, our staff and leadership, volunteers, probably 400, 400 or so, been preparing a long time. Prayer and recreational stuff and, and all the media that they're doing and just this, this numerous things they do to prepare. The rooms will be prepared. Every space in our church, there'll be someone in to teach our kids in Vacation Bible Camp. My office. Everything is used. This whole campus will be loaded. Bring your kids. If you ask me, what do I want from the church that I partner with, that's what I want. I love when people say, I like you. It was a great sermon. 
I appreciate those are those are who, who doesn't want that? We all love affirmation, so I like that. Who doesn't want that? We all do. But what we need is you to bring your kids to vacation Bible camp. What we need is you to give. What we need you to do is come to church. That's what we need. That's where the vote is really given that matters the most. And we love that because that's where our heart is. Our heart is in that place. The mission, the worship, the kids, the youth, the community. For God so loved the world. And what kind of commands have you been given? Go make disciples of all the world. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Here I am, Lord, send me. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Pick up your cross and follow me. Equip the saints for the work of ministry. Oversee the church. Shepherd the flock of God. Be examples for the flock. Preach the word, repute, rebuke, exhort. Those are all commands. That's a pretty big job because the world is pretty big. When we do it together, it's achievable. This church and every other church, what can you do? Invite your neighbor to church. Bring them. Pray for them. Follow Christ. I told Rhonda a while back that I've had people come and say, you know, my spiritual life, my relationship with Christ is better because of you. There's nothing someone could tell me that's any better than that. So I'm closer to Christ because I've known you or a sermon you preach. And one of the things that happens all the time, I hear a lot, is people will say to us or say to me, I remember when you said so, and every pastor I think has this happen. I remember when you said so and so, it changed my heart and life. And I'll think, I never said that. I wouldn't say that. Not even words that I use. But I know God said that to them somewhere in a church service. That God touched their heart somewhere in their life. People will come and say, when you visited with us this many years ago, and they'll just walk up and say, our marriage was saved because of that conversation and that time we shared together. And I'll think, I don't know who you are. I may not even remember them. You know, I know lots of people. Uh, but God... God touched their heart there somewhere. It's what God did, not what any of us did. Those things happen to every pastor. It's exceptional. It means a lot. Now I want to add a couple other small things, and I'm kind of winding down today. Sorry, going a little long. I couldn't avoid it. Today I tried, but I couldn't. Uh, pastors love that you give us second chances and give us grace when we mess up. I mean, by that is every once in a while, maybe more than once in a while, a pastor preaches a sermon that's a dud. Now, that does happen. You'll walk away and say, man, that's one of those duds. I just didn't, I, whatever, was, whatever was supposed to happen didn't happen today. You know, and give us, a, give us another week. We'll, we'll preach again next week. Give us another chance. Don't dub us the first time we give a dud sermon. Which that illustrates many things as well. It's all kind of things we do where our humanity comes out. Say the wrong thing. I often, because I have less boundaries than Rhonda has, I'll often say something later on and I'll, I'll regret it. So, I thought that was funny. I hope they did. You know, I was, I was, that was being good-natured about that. I hope, they've, I hope they're okay with that, you know. I, 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 well, I've had done that a thousand times. So for those that know me well, I can't control that. I always appreciate people giving me a break when I, my humor goes somewhere that maybe you may not think as funny as I did. My favorite saying is, well, it's funny to me. So, but it doesn't work sometimes for the person that I think I'm being funny with. Thank you for those second chances uh, where grace is given. We have an opportunity to rebuild and renew and get on again the way the church is supposed to work. And pray for your pastors. They pray for you. They absolutely pray for you. Pastor David does. 
Pastor Sharon does, Pastor Johnny does, Pastor Tina does. And when Scott talked about that time he saw me praying for the church, you have to. You have no choice. Not always because you're a spiritual person, it's because, hey, there's a mess out there. People are hurt. People are, are broken. Uh, people do things they shouldn't do. Uh, people are sick. People grieve. You know, and so you have to pray. You have no choice but saying, God, help us. Help me. Help them. They pray for you. Pray for them. In the center of the church, for God so loved the world, gives only begotten Son. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. That is why we are here. That's why preachers preach, lay people lead, choirs sing, people meet and gather, people come to church, people serve, give, people do mission, people try to change the world. Because your love for us calls us to do just that. And God, may this church do that well and fully and completely in the years and years to come as it has in years and years that have gone by. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.